Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, on a Friday night. Had a good outing with the chili dog today. Um, got new hokas in the mail again today, twice this week. So a lot of put a lot of miles on, test them, break them down, beat them up. I have been informed by them that I can destroy shoes better than anybody else. So when they absolutely have to see them destroyed, I guess I'm the go-to guy. This week also been a big week. Uh, got a bunch of stuff from Raid Gas BC um, in uh, preparation for going there. Uh, first week in September and then I get back and for about a week and then ta-da going to the Norcia Adventure Race in Portugal to uh, cover that towards the end of September so pretty pumped about that got a couple other things going for worlds so nothing we can talk about because that's what I hate more than anything else is um, this might happen, but I can't tell you anything about it. So, so that's uh, all that's been going around here. Paulette will be home tomorrow or Sunday, I think, depending on when you listen to this. No, she'll be home whenever, but it doesn't depend on when you listen to this. Um, she shot some pretty cool video on the Trans Pyrenees. Um, they cut a short little trailer, but we're also doing a longer piece like maybe a festival piece i think quite honestly there might be um there's some really cool stuff in there that i think people will be interested in seeing so we'll put that link in the show notes so you can see that little short teaser trailer and let's excuse me let's get on with it um this is Whenever I talk to Nathan, it's very interesting because the numbers on the podcast spike like triple normal. So thank you all for listening, but why don't you listen to all the rest of the episodes too? So go fast, take chances, and have fun. And uh, here's my conversation with Nathan. Enjoy. Good afternoon. Yeah, Randy, Nathan here. Hey, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, good. How's that? Uh... How's that sound coming through? Oh, things oh, are a little funky, little funky on my end. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Oh, that's better now. I <laughs> I should remember to do this, but I can, some, when I use Skype and use Skype through Chrome, it uh, it changes, the setting changes. So when you call, I'm hearing myself talk in my headphones. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, on a delay, so... <laughs> Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I know how to fix it now. I just <laughs> oh right yeah. <laughs> the the first couple of times it's like I have no idea what's going on, and so I just powered through it, and it got really annoying in my head. It sounds good to every you know the output, but so sure sure yeah yeah no it's a bit confusing for you I guess yeah you would think after <laughs> however many years I'd have this figured out, but uh, what it whatever right. <laughs> Yeah, 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 classic. Well, it sounds like you have. Yep, got it now. So, um, okay, before we start, I have a question. Of course, we already have started. You really, th- <laughs> you really threw me yeah. off in your email when you said a ballpark figure. 
Because the ballpark figure to me is is like that's an American phrase. Oh really? Yeah, because I don't. Well, because we think of baseball parks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we have ballparks here as well. We've got cricket. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, New Zealand as a whole probably does use a lot of American phrases because a lot of us, especially my generation, you know, we grew up watching a lot of American television and movies and things. So, you know, we would have picked up quite a few few phrases and terms. Yeah. It just it was just yeah. just weird. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. I don't yeah. want to be like uh, American centric or whatever, but it's like that's just <laughs> it just seemed like such a, a funny funny phrase coming from from you. Yeah, well, I, I actually would probably go as far as say it's a fairly common term yeah. uh, in New Zealand and probably Australia as well. Huh. So, and, and, and right, you're right. It's a, it's it's um it's a dot. Well, it's, you know, it's originated from from your sports. Yeah. So yeah, because I always think yeah, what a, a cricket field and a rugby rugby field. Yeah. 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 So it should be a a field park figure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we just lost most of our listeners after that. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that's all right. We can still have a good chat. Yeah. Um, where do you want to start? <laughs> oh, I'm easy, really. I, I, I think, um, yeah, you know, obviously I'm back back racing and, and Team Seagate is, is about to you know, I guess start our campaign or bid or whatever you want to call it um, for the world champs in Australia. So I don't know. What, I mean, what's your sort of take on what most of the listeners would find interesting? Um, well, the email you sent me, I think they find it all interesting. So, <laughs> um, all right. Why, why are you coming back to racing? Well, we'll start there. Okay. So, yeah. So after Brazil, as you know, I mean, I was pretty keen to step away from from racing at, at the intensity and the level that that I have been for the last kind of four or five years, and uh, and that went pretty well for a period. I, you know, obviously, I didn't do the God's Own race. I saw you out on course, you know, a couple of times. But um, Sophie is unavailable to race, um, you know, for the rest of the year, just just with other stuff going on in her life. So. I guess uh, you know the core team in many ways has been has been Chris, Sophie, and I, and uh, with Sophie and I both out, um, yeah, you know it probably just leaves a bit too much of a gap. So, so I was um, was that, is that a whistle going on in the background? Oh, I wonder if it's it's probably the birds in the back. <laughs> oh, they're, is that what it is? Yeah, they're okay. in the other room, <laughs> but yeah, I close the door. No, no, that's all right. That's cool. Remember, we don't want to be too professional. They'll expect it all the time. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, so, so that's really the, the guts of it. Is, um, I mean, I was, I was happy to, to go and to step back up and do a couple of races. And, and uh, yeah, you know, it's not, like, it's not like I've been out of the scene for, for a long time. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've probably only really missed one race. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Didn't we joke about re your retirement and how long it would last last time? <laughs> yeah, well, it is a bit of a joke. But I I guess, you know, like I, I don't know if I've ever used that word retirement myself. Yeah. Like I've always been careful to sort of say that I'm I'm sort of stepping away or changing focus and, and things like that. But but you can never really be 
be too certain. I mean, I'm 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 heading in that direction. Obviously, I can't I can't keep racing um, forever. Eventually, my my body's gonna say that's enough, or you know, my age will will be a a, a thing I can't I can't um, kind of deny. But but yeah, for now it, it feels good to go and do a couple of races and. And uh, yeah, I'm quite excited by it. Yeah. So what's the what's the schedule then leading up to Worlds? Well, so we go. Uh, well, everyone, I guess, like most teams, um, you know, sort of goes and does their independent kind of events and things. Maybe a little bit different for us, being being winter. Uh, you know, through through where most teams are actually having summer, as, as we do hibernate a bit um, over winter. So. Chris has been busy with row gaining and orienteering. Um, Stu obviously went up and did the Cowboy Tough, and he's been in, in Great Britain um, doing some work and training and some events there. Um, so we're going to meet in Denmark uh, at the end of this month. I, I leave in about five days uh, to, to, to meet up there. Uh, we're going to do a, a small 24-hour race there, the Yeti Adventure Challenge, which, which looks like a really fun event. Um, just as a bit of a warm up, really, to the raid in France, which is the weekend weekend after. So we'll go and do that, and then uh, yeah, basically back 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 home. And you know, I don't know. We've got I don't know six, maybe eight weeks uh, leading up to Australia. I think. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, we'll be here before yeah. we know it, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so. What's it like, sort of getting back in the saddle, starting to pack and go go to a race? This... Oh, it, it's yeah, no, it's. It, I mean, I, like I said, I I guess I haven't been out of the scene long enough, uh, and in fact, in many ways, even if I hadn't of um, stepped away from racing, the only thing that would have been different for me so far this year would have been that I raced God's Own. Yeah. So there, there has really been. Um, much change, but I, I guess mentally there has because I, I never thought I would be doing an expedition race this year. And you know, and a few months ago, uh, that sort of came back up on the radar. So, so I've had to sort of mentally, I, I guess, prepare myself, um, you know, just for that and, and the training obviously required and and things. But uh, but no, I'm excited. It's obviously with Sophie not racing is is a big change in our team and and a big adjustment and. And you know, one we wouldn't have chosen, um, but uh, at the same time, it's really exciting to, to sort of have a, a slightly different lineup and and sort of go forward go forward with that. So I, I think that that you know that actually makes it quite engaging as well. Um, just just a little bit of change. Yeah, I can I can see where. The, let's not say you were getting tired of each other, but I can see where the new blood on the team would be a little little invigorating. Yeah, I, I think it just sort of changes the the landscape a little bit, and um, you know, while while um, you know our, our team that has raced the last couple of years that, that you know that you know well, um, you know, we're an awesome bunch of friends, and, and we love racing together, and we would have loved racing together, um, you know, longer into the future. But uh, but that things change, and and uh, and with that, uh, I guess you can choose how you want to respond to it, and. You know, you can sort of dwell on what could have been, or, or get excited about uh, the sort of new opportunities and things, and and uh, and that's how I feel. I, I think it's uh, yeah, quite exciting. Just um, you know, just just going forward and and yeah, just the unknown. Really, I guess, I guess that's the adventure part of it is you know, just going into that unknown uh, kind of territory. Yeah, so it's kind of like you're a rookie again. 
<laughs> okay, maybe not quite a rookie. Hopefully, hopefully not. But um, yeah, um, yeah. I'm I, I'm not going to ask you how you think you guys will do because obviously you think you're going to do well. But um, are you using Raid in France as just kind of a, a a marker to see where your fitness is, how you're working together as a team, just just kind of you know work your way back into that sink? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think I think it's important for us. Um, you know, we're, we've always been a team that, that tries to have a bit of a get together or do a race, it, it, literally as a warm up um, to the world. And uh, raid in France was was perfect. Um, well, to be honest, we actually were quite keen to go to Ireland and, and do the do the race there, yeah. just because Ireland like an interesting place. Um, but the organisers there weren't weren't really able to help us um, much, and we, and we haven't got a huge, huge budget, yeah. um, despite what some people may think. So um, France was willing or able to to kind of help us out a wee bit, and and uh, and we loved racing in in France at the Worlds there. So so we jumped at the chance, and and then uh, you know we had a bit of a look around to see what else was on in, in Europe around that time. Um, I guess just to maximise, you know, the trip to Europe. It's, it's a long way for us, as you as you know. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, we came across the, the Yeti race in Denmark, and, and that just looked amazing. So we sort of thought that'll be perfect. You know, we can sort of do a couple of events in one trip, and and uh, yeah, it'll just be a good sort of shakeout, and and uh, a good chance for the for the new team to to just work together and and look forward to uh, Australia. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, you get a little speed workout, a little expedition, and you're good to go. <laughs> I was actually thinking it, it, it's more uh, a more chance to have a few uh, Danish pastries and a, and a few French baguettes, but um, but yeah, I guess speed work and, and endurance training um, that, that that's a positive yeah. as well. Yeah, that's that's what we'll that's what you should tell everybody. That's where you're going. <laughs> so yeah, um, so where did Isla come from? The new uh, Isla. Isla. Isla, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Isla's an emerging um, female out, out of New Zealand. And, and uh, you know, as I'm sure you can appreciate, um, you know, from your trip to New Zealand earlier this year, like event racing in New Zealand, or, or especially the South Island, you know, is fairly strong. Uh, it, you know, we're a small, small country, but uh, there's a lot of people got an interest in the sport. So, so we're lucky we've got a lot of, a lot of people here keen to sort of step up into those well, step up to that level, and and especially women actually. Like, there's there's a lot of women involved in event racing in New Zealand, which mm-hmm. is pro- probably quite unique, or I think is unique. Um, and and uh, yeah, I guess as a team, um, and Sophie had input into this as well, is, is, is sort of identifying, you know, who are the sort of the, the top females, you know, coming through, uh, or the or the ones with talent, and and there's a number of them, but uh, we we decided that Isla would be a really good fit. Um, for our team and and sort of approached her to see if she was keen uh, to come to Denmark and France in the first instance. Then um, you know if all goes well, we'll we'll just kind of roll through to through to Australia. Yeah, sounds good. So um, well, I'll just put this this out here now that uh, she, we should talk to her, I should talk to her after uh, France. The rest the rest of the team's been on the podcast. We better get her on because I would be really interested to get her take on. You three. Yeah, I would too, actually. That'd, that'd, be, that'd be great. Um, 
Yeah, I might have to. I might, yeah, I might be careful about how much I say when um, when I'm racing in France and stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah. no, I think I think um, she'll be great. I mean, I, I've I've sort of seen her at God's Own races a few times. She's 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 really young. Mm. Um, you know, well, compared to me. Yeah. Uh, but she's done three God's Owns. Um, she's she's a very good cross country runner. She she comes from a running background. She she actually did a a bit of a running um, sort of scholarship through university. She was in Montana for a while mm. um, studying and running, running there. And uh, she's a very strong mountain biker. Uh, it does coast-to-coast, multi-sport, uh, usual kind of Kiwi yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess I guess you could say. So, um, but, but we feel like she's got the, uh, you know, the personality and, uh, you know, the, I, I guess that that sort of quite composed um, kind of nature that that sort of suits our our team culture. Do you think for you guys in New Zealand, because there are, you know, a, a, a whole bunch of women? Because we'll talk about that. Because you've got a race with thirteen hundred of them. But <laughs> do you think for you, for your team specifically, maybe the hardest part is finding the right personality? Because there's probably you know who who knows how many that are athletic enough yeah it, it, it is a little bit of that um but but we do we are spoiled for choice to be honest mm-hmm. but I, I think um you, you did right you know it is it is it's not just about getting the fastest and strongest person or, or um you know we really wanted someone who would fit into to that team culture so so you, you're spot on the mark there i think um you know, another thing that was important for us, though, is, is that we could have easily got a female to step in for Sophie with experience. You know, there's some very, very good uh, women who have raced that top level number of times, you know, a decade of adventure racing experience. But but I guess as we go forward and we're all at the end of our, our careers, you know, the, the, towards the end, um, you know, succession planning and, and actually sort of developing some of the, the next generation or the next Kiwi generation was important for us. And, and uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, in the sport of adventure racing, if I look at it just in New Zealand, um, the opportunity for a young emerging athlete to come and race, you know, and, and Team Seagate is a, is a fairly big deal. And, um, and we, so I guess we wanted that opportunity to be maximised and, uh Rather than you know invite someone in who who come and race well and and race at the level that that we race at, you know, but they may retire in one or two years. Yeah. Um, someone like Isla's got you know a decade at least of of bench racing um, ahead of her if she chooses. Um, so I, I think you know that that experience with racing with us and a few races and possibly the world champs, um, you know, could set her up really well. And and then that's part about developing the sport in our country. Yeah. Well. We've we've had this discussion, and I've had it with other people. It's really hard for the Kiwis to go elsewhere and race because it costs a lot of damn money. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, the only place we can really go to easily is is actually Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, everything else is a is a pretty major major flight. So, you know, but I I guess. You know, that if people are really keen, they can create those opportunities as well. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's I guess there's other teams that, that come from probably less developed countries that, that can get around to races from time to time. So, yeah, we, we've certainly been lucky to, um, you know, have the opportunities we, we've had, that's for sure. Yeah, but then on the flip side, you guys all live in New Zealand, and that don't suck. <laughs> 
Yeah, we kind of make it work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can find the odd spot that's nice to train in, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. If you look hard enough, you can usually uh, usually find somewhere you haven't been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, since since we're on, this will be my segue, since we're talking about women. 1,300 women doing an adventure race? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's quite a few. That's quite a few, don't you reckon? Yeah, are you nuts or are you just a glutton for punishment? That's probably kind yeah, of a, yeah. that's probably kind of a sexist comment, but I wouldn't. Okay, I wouldn't want thirteen men, thirteen hundred men either. So, no, nor would I actually. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's yeah. So the spring challenge that's an event I started uh, ten years ago. And I probably don't need to go into the sort of real history behind it, but it, but it was largely to create opportunities for women to, to get into adventure racing. Because I, I felt back then, 10 years ago, that, you know, a lot of women were probably interested in the sport, but they didn't really want to join a team with three three males. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so we kind of had this idea of running just an all-women's adventure race. And the first year we had just over 300 women turn up. And then it, it's basically grown since then. And, and this year's event, uh, we sold out in two days, which is 1,260 women. But we actually had hundreds and hundreds of women or teams uh, on the waiting list. So we've we've actually opened the field. We've, ma- we've managed to find some more rafts and, and increase our logistics. To We'll probably have about 1,300 competing on the day, which is about 450 teams. Uh, and then we've got a North Island event that we just launched this year, which is happening in October, and we've got over 500 women um, entered in that. That's, that's different women. So, so there's yeah, there's thousands, thousands of them that are uh, that are that are into it. It's, it's awesome. It's uh, really pretty kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is. Yeah, it is cool. You know, I think, I think, um, you know, I mean, adventure racing is still. A very small, obscure sport, mm-hmm. you know, globally, and even even in New Zealand, it is too. But I think um, you know it is gaining a lot more uh, traction here, and and most people now would have heard of adventure racing, even though they may not know much about it. They would have heard about it, yeah. and uh, and you know, and obviously uh, Richie McCaw doing this year's God Zone kind of ensured that everyone had heard about, um, yeah, because whatever Richie does, the whole country knows about. So. Um, so I think, but what's cool now is, is that, you know, you can pop into sort of cafes all around the country and, and there's groups of women who have just been out training and, and instead of kind of, I guess, talking about, I don't know, kind of fashion and, you know, nappies and things, they're talking about, you know, what sort of map holder they should get or what sort of head torch they've got or, you know, what sort of trail shoe are they using and, and stuff. So it, it has actually created a whole, a whole market of, uh, of women getting into outdoor sport, but using that as the catalyst, I guess, the spring challenge adventure race as the as the sort of the vehicle to open those doors or the opportunity. Yeah, have you seen like women coming out of out of the you know out of the spring challenge that have done God's own maybe? That you, are you seeing? Are they moving up a, a notch, so to speak? Uh, yeah, yeah, they, 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 yeah, definitely, but um, but only quite a small number. Like I think, um, you know, most of the years, like this year, obviously, the last couple of years, the last couple of years, we've had sort of well over a thousand women. 
But, you know, over the last kind of seven or eight years, there's been about a thousand women taking part. You know, if I was to be honest, I'd say about 50 of those women are, you know, very, very capable uh, adventure racing females. And um, some of them are going off and doing coast to coast. A lot of them are doing row gains. A lot of them are doing other kind of multi-sport events. But there's probably only been, you know, over the years, maybe 15 or 20 that have actually kind of made that real jump uh, across to expedition racing and, and God's own. Um, but I think that's just going to continue. Yeah. Like I think as that kind of pyramid grows, the the sharp end obviously gets pushed up higher. And uh, and God's own's only been around for a few years as well. So, you know, it's, it takes people a bit to, to kind of to step up to it. But uh, but definitely, definitely stepping off, um, you know, from that and into other things for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you're saying you, you've got 15 or 20 that have moved into expedition racing. Let's in the United States, there's probably this is a slight exaggeration, only 15 or 20 women in the whole country that do expedition racing. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that's yeah. it doesn't sound like much that are going there, but it is a, a huge number. At least it's going up. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And 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 I see a lot of potential. Like I, you know, obviously I'm the race director, so I, I spend most of uh, the time, you know, when when people are finishing, um, you know, watching watching teams cross the line and talking to teams about their experience and, and things, and and yeah, I, I see I see women coming through, and and, and you know that um, you know <laughs> there's someone that could could be a very good expedition racer if um, if that's what they wanted or if those opportunities were there. So you start to sort of see the the talent that is actually, uh, or the untapped talent, I, I guess you could say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But then I spoke yeah. about the majority of them. This, they would just keep coming back year after year. They have their team, and it's their, you know, kind of their. I always, it's their Boston Marathon of the year, so to speak. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So I mean, we have we have a three, a six, and a nine hour event. Mm-hmm. So they are they're the projected winning times. So essentially, it works out to beginner, intermediate, and advanced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our advanced category never really grows that much. We have about 50 teams every year, but then we have like about 300 teams in the intermediate and uh, in the six-hour event. And, and most of those teams have no intention <laughs> of doing the um, the nine-hour event. You know, they, they want to do the race, go rafting, mountain biking, navigating, but finish in a reasonable hour and, you know, go and have, go and have some, go and have a few wines, you know, so, and, that, and that's their, mm-hmm. that's their adventure racing. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Um, I think you you sound pretty proud of this race. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I guess it's been a success on on a number of levels. Like I think, you know, we've got a, we've got a commercial, you know, events management company. So from a business point of view, the event's been hugely successful. Uh, you know, just generating um, that many people, I guess, or that many teams. So so that's something we can be really proud of. But I think for me, the the thing I'm really proud about, or or you know, that, that, that makes me kind of feel, um, you know, kind of warm and fuzzy is is that sort of social change really and, and getting people active and into the outdoors and and exposing them to uh, to my sport really um, and, and uh, you know, I guess just kind of mainstreaming it to a certain degree, you know, is, is good. Good, yeah. Do you sort of feel an obligation to make the sport grow? 
in New, you know, specifically in New Zealand? Yeah, I, I do, to be honest. And um, I'm not quite sure how, how, how I can sort of do that um, all that well. But the Spring Challenge has been, has been one way where I've able, been able to do that. Um, I'd really like to do something with sort of youth mm-hmm. um, next. I mean, there's some great youth, youth initiatives. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess it sort of dawned on me a bit recently that – you know, for our next generation of expedition races, you know, there's a lot of young, you know, what I consider young anyway, you know, like in their 20s who are, who are just chomping at the bit to get out and, and race on the World Series. But they, like, like you mentioned before, that, you know, it's very difficult to get the sponsorship required. And, and for a lot of those, a lot of those young people, they, they probably really don't know how to get that sponsorship mm-hmm. or, or, um, or have the connections too. So I, I, I do kind of feel in some ways that if, if anyone's going to kind of get that going at the moment in New Zealand, I'm probably um, the most likely person. So, so yeah, that, that's one thing when I eventually do stop racing myself. Um, you know, I do feel a responsibility to kind of help that next, uh, that next generation, um, you know, keep our legacy going, I guess, is, is the motivation. Yeah, yeah, well, big shoes, big shoes to fill, but I think you might be able to do it. <laughs> How's that for a ringing endorsement? No, I, if anybody could do it, it would be you. So, um, well, yeah, I think in, in New Zealand at the moment, I think that's probably true. I mean, it would, it would, you know, a few years back there would have been some other people probably better positioned, um, and and in the future there will be people better positioned as well. But I, I think right now, yeah, I, I'm probably the, I, I'm probably the one to, pro- you know. Yeah. Got the most chance, I think. I think. Yeah. Well, see, if this was a movie right now in the hero's journey, you're you're trying to deny the call. <laughs> <laughs> and we always know in a movie, why bother? Because you're going to end up having to do it anyway. So just just go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. There's still uh, there's still uh, over an hour of this movie to go, so uh, can't finish it. Yet. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well. So in kind of that same vein, that's. You were kind of, kind of like working that at God's own because you went, you went to the dark side of adventure racing to the to the organizing side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh, well, my original my original motivation for um, putting my hand up for helping helping Warren with the God's own was so I wouldn't have to race. <laughs> <laughs> so when uh, after the the Wanaka race. Was a lot, oh, I guess it was only last year, 2015. I, yeah, I kind of had a chat to Warren, and I was living in, I was actually living in Queenstown over the winter, so I, I skied quite a bit with Warren. And yeah, when he said that that he was going to come to Tasman, which is my my home, um, you know, it's where I grew up, it's where I was born and grew up. Um, I was like, right, I well, if you come into Tasman, then um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll work on the event and I won't race. And uh, he was like, right, deal, you know, and shook on that, and and that was me out out of the, out of any opportunity of, of racing because I, I was I was pretty hands on with uh, course design and and working with Warren on um you know just the, the usual problem solving kind of challenges you have with putting together something like that. So um so yeah yeah I guess I guess it was a uh, yeah <laughs> I know caught the dark side. It depends on on how you feel. Yeah, it's true. But. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it was cool. It was it was nice to be involved in the event, but not not actually be racing it. Actually, to to, to be honest. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I was going to ask you that. Is was it was it hard to not race to to be there, be involved? And I think that probably helps a lot because you are involved and out there. But was it in some ways hard to not be racing? Um. Yeah, no, 95% of the time, it will probably more. Um, I was actually very pleased I, I wasn't racing, and and I think a number of reasons. Um, you know, for personal reasons, I mean, it changed my summer a bit. I was able to spend more time with the kids and less time kind of training for, you know, like a, a, for God's own. Um, I, my wife and I actually went skiing in Japan for a couple of weeks in March, which I never would have done um, had I – had I been racing God's Own. So, you know, there was these other spin-offs that I knew, you know, I, I couldn't have both. Um, so I was really pleased with with, the, with those uh, outcomes from that decision. But um, I was also very pleased to be able to have input into the course because, uh, you know, the knowledge that I have of our region is, is very intimate and it would be very difficult for, you know, a race director or course designer to come into somewhere like this and be able to piece together a course, um, you know, that, that I think was as good as as God's own was, um, you know, without without a lot of that sort of local knowledge and experience. Mm-hmm. So, so I kind of felt felt it felt good to me that I was able to, I guess, sort of put more of my sort of I, I don't know maybe maybe my heart into the race um, for everybody rather than just kind of racing for me and my team. If, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, you want to you want to show off your backyard. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. And uh, you know, and put and put a good race on so that so that people when they leave here, uh, you know, the from around New Zealand or or the internationals, that people go, wow, what a what an amazing uh, place Tasman is, and um, I can kind of see why Nathan lives there. <laughs> so, um, um, but there was there was a couple of times when I when I uh, caught myself, I guess. Um, <laughs> Wanting to race, and 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 as as you know, because you were here, um, you know my teammates were racing. Mm-hmm. Sophie, Chris, and Stu were all racing, and and I suppose you know it was only a couple of months prior to God's Own that I was captaining the team, you know, in Brazil in the Pantanal. And so there was a few few times where I, I couldn't help thinking, um, you know, I, I was almost trying to captain their teams um, from a distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are you doing that for? You know, what are you, what are you thinking, or you know, things like that. So that was quite. I found that quite okay. So I never actually said anything to anybody, but I would just be observing things, going, "Oh, that, that's. I wouldn't do that if I was you." Yeah. Or, but I don't, I don't think you're making the right call there. Uh, and a few times, I go, oh, "I wish I was racing." I just say, "Look, this is this is what I think we should do," or um, change. Not not to say that I, not my my ideas were right, but I just had different views on on some of the things that were going on. Um, and there was there was one funny time I I was I was doing I was up on the course and there was some people uh, watching and and they'd watched the Yeelands team go through that was that was leading the race that Chris was was in and and I actually um, do a lot of work with with that company Yeelands and and good friends of mine were in that team but uh, there was one woman who 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 didn't know who I was um, you know I just thought I must have been a race staff or some volunteer helping out which I was yeah. And uh, she watched Yellen's team go through, and, and she said to me, oh, aren't they amazing? And I was like, yes, yes, they are. They're, they're very amazing. And she said, surely this must eclipse anything that Seagate ever achieved. 
they're doing okay so <laughs> i was like far out it doesn't take long to fall from grace does it no so yeah um yeah well kind of i will tell you my favorite story of you there is um when they were coming down off off the first trek off the red hills oh yeah you uh you very graciously walked up the side and got out of the off the trail and out of the shot when they came through oh yes yeah <laughs> so yeah do you yeah all right a couple of specific things about that did you think that that red hills trek was going to be as hard as it ended up being for a lot of teams uh or was or yes yes yeah yes and no like i mean i always knew it was going to be hard mm -hmm. um because because that i i train up there a lot and i know that environment but um you know i thought this is going to be a hard stage if the conditions are good mm -hmm. but it's going to be an epic stage if the conditions are bad and, and i guess that's the thing you know like they it was actually bad conditions up there, and, and that's what turned it into an epic stage. And so I guess that wasn't certainly wasn't my intention for it to be, you know, epic. I mean, I, I would have much preferred had it been a beautiful, clear night, um, you know, with the stars out and no fog and no wind and and no ice cold temperatures. Um, but that that's just adventure racing, you know. You can't not put in, uh, you know, what what you think is a pretty amazing stage. Um, because you think, oh, you know, if the weather turns bad, we're gonna we're gonna be in trouble. You, you sort of put together the best course you can and just hope that the weather will be will be kind. And, and as it turned out, you know, that the conditions were, were less than ideal, but um, you know, it made it tough. But you know, anyone, anyone as you know, anyone going into the outdoors, that that's the reality. So uh, yeah, yeah. So no, to answer your question, it, it was, it, you know, I would have liked it if it wasn't so hard but that that was kind of out of our control in some respects you mean you don't you don't control the weather in new zealand <laughs> no not, not not a huge amount okay just <laughs> just in little areas so but, yeah yeah and i think yeah. that's what everybody i mean i think everybody knows that it's the weather i mean what do you do the clouds roll in and you yeah. can't see 50 feet you can't see 50 feet right yeah yeah that's right, and I think too that um, you know, and this always happens in races. Races is that you know it, it, those those experiences kind of expose people's weaknesses a bit more. And and you look at the good navigators, yeah. like um, well, I mean, Chris is kind of an exceptional navigator, but you know, he didn't have any problems at all um, going through the. I mean, he was cold and and stuff, but navigation wise, uh, you know, there wasn't really he didn't have any any problems. So and, and as did you know some of the other navigators. So. I think, uh, you know, while those 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 experiences are tough and and um, not very enjoyable for a lot of people, they they do kind of highlight, uh, you know, where you probably need to upskill and and um, focus some of your focus some of your training. I, I think. Yeah. Well, I th look at it as like that. That's the stage that everybody in that race talks about. And I think that makes it a good stage, even if it was really hard and miserable and they suffered, right? That's the one they all talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. And I, and I think I think the other thing, you know, with the course design, like when I, I guess was kind of, I mean, I, I, that course I've, I've sort of thought about for years in a lot of ways, and and I think 
one of the things that was really good about it, um, which was by design, was is that there was recovery stages built into the race so that even though, you know, I, I obviously wasn't up on the Red Hills um, that night, I knew that once the teams got through, they had some really easy stages to recover recover on. So it wasn't like they were just getting sort of hammered stage after stage after stage. It was like once they get through the mountains, they've got some really easy biking, they've got a nice canoe down, uh, you know, the lake in the national park, and then they've got a relatively easy hike over to the river, and then, they, and then they've got that river paddle. So, yeah. you know, in some ways that was um, – you know, it was a big stage, and you're right, that's the stage that many people talk about, but it was only ever really going to be, you know, the, that one epic stage in that whole course in a lot of ways, because the rest of the course was, was, um, you know, wasn't wasn't that wasn't that difficult and uh, enabled a lot of teams to get to the finish. Yeah. Um, did, I mean, was that a, a design philosophy for you? Let's put, let's have like one super epic, really cool stage wherever it was and the rest just really cool stuff or did it just work out that way no no i think um you know certainly certainly my philosophy and belief on uh, on course design and, and this i sort of incorporate this into all the all the events that i organize you know I, I do think you need one stage that uh you know does have a little bit of epicness in it mm -hmm. to kind of essentially that what exactly what you're saying it becomes kind of a story um and, and people want that. People want to be challenged uh, and pushed, you know, in some way. I think the mistake that some race organisers make is they have too many of those stages. So, you know, people kind of get hammered and pushed to their limit. And then, you know, they change discipline and then they get hammered and pushed to their limits again. And it just wears people down. And sooner or later, one of the teammates will be injured or tired or, or will just quit. And, uh, you know, uh, that's what we see um, at so many races. So, for me, I think um, actually structuring sort of recovery and for mentally and physically uh, is really important through the through the course design. So you're actually looking at what physiologically, what are the athletes sort of experiencing right now? And um, you know, like, and so I knew that coming off the Red Hills, people are going to have sore feet. They're going to be knackered. They probably would have run out of food. Um, you know, it's it's exposed up there. There's no forest, so if the weather comes in, they're they're fully exposed to the weather. It's kind of like they're going to need some nurturing after that stage, regardless of really what the weather does. It's it's just going to be a hard stage. Um, and then so yeah, put in some easy stages that people sheltered from the weather. They can go to stores and buy you know hot food and and things, and then actually get some recovery going and mentally just get the head back into the game and. Uh, yeah, no, but I, I think that's that was that was definitely by design. That it wasn't just um, you know just a kind of a a lucky outcome. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and you don't need like twenty four or thirty hours of misery is enough, right? Then let's have some fun. Yeah, that's right. And you, you might find that I mean the, the, the terrain obviously dictates a lot of what you can do, but. You know, so many times I've done races where we've come off massive mount, uh, sorry, hiking treks. You know, and our feet are swollen and sore and legs are tired. And then we get on a mountain bike stage and we think, great, we can, you know, spit our legs out. But then the mountain biking is so steep and so difficult, you end up just walking your bike. So, you know, you've got these sore feet, which you stuff into a pair of bike shoes, mm -hmm. and then you end up walking with your bike up the hill. <laughs> and it's kind of like, fuck that. And I'm thinking then, I'm like, what was the course designer thinking? I mean, what? What 
what is your decision process um, that made you think this was a good idea? (laughs) No, I hear you there. Um, Yeah. Was there some place in the area that you really wanted to go and just couldn't work into the course? Like some really, you know, favorite spot of yours or something really cool? Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, there was this one area I was really keen for the race to go, and, and Warren, um, Warren wasn't, and, and, and that's totally fine. It's his race, you know. And, and in hindsight, it was probably a blessing. But um, there is one mountain. It's called Mount Hope, and uh, it's near Mount Owen, where the teams went on the final trek. But I, I, I guess put it this way. If 10,000 people go up Mount Owen every year, about two go up Mount Hope. Mm. And, uh, and I was really keen for the race to go over Mount Hope. And um, it's just an area that is um, – the navigation would have been very, very interesting and challenging. It's, if you're ever looking at a map again of that area, it's, it's not far from Mount Owen. It's just a little bit further to the east. They actually brushed across the northern side of it and uh, – yeah, I, I, it might have been. It probably would have been too hard, but um, I think <laughs> it might have made the Red Hills trip look easy. But it, it was quite. Short. It was a short stage, and and the reason why I was keen for teams to go up there is I thought it would have been a really interesting navigation trek um, towards the end of the race that that might have enabled teams to actually, you know, for teams to kind of pass each other without them knowing um, that they'd sort of pass each other and stuff. It's that kind of terrain. So, um, but you know, Warren, Warren, to be fair, um, you know, he had a look at it and said, no, um, teams will get lost up there. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, and, and for too long, you know, there's orcs and things running around up there. So yeah, I don't want to lose anybody like that. Was there yeah. anything that any team did course wise, navigation wise that really surprised you? Or did you kind of have? Did everybody kind of go the way you figured? Yeah, not not uh, yeah. Term navigation wise, no. Everyone pretty much went on the options that um, you know that we thought. Uh, probably the only thing that surprised me was you know on the first on the first mountain bike ride. Um, you know, Warren. I guess the, with the course design, like I, I pretty much get sort of designed the the probably the route. I guess you can say, but Warren actually set the course mm-hmm. as in as in terms of putting the you know where the checkpoints went, and, and he did a, he did an amazing job of that. And when I looked at where he'd put the checkpoints, you know, I'd often go, oh yeah, there's like a really aggressive line, and there's quite a conservative line. What surprised me quite early on in the race is how many teams were taking the aggressive lines. Mm. And um, and they weren't paying off for many people, and uh, that that was probably the only thing that, that surprised me. I, I just would have thought that you know going into you know the first day and first night of an expedition race that that people might just kind of be just settle down a wee bit and and, and take um, you know the conservative route choices. Uh, but it seemed like everybody was trying to straight line it and, and take the shortest route, even though you know especially for the Kiwis. Um, they would have known that that terrain was going to be quite brutal. Um, so that, that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and then probably the only thing I thought was a little bit surprised about is, is that, um, you know, the race actually went through a number of small towns. Mm-hmm. And and I've done it in races before, in fact, quite a few times, 
you know, when the race has gone through a small town, we've actually stopped and rented a room at a at an accommodation place. You know, we just take our credit card or some cash and stop and have a shower and have a hot meal and and uh, do that. <clears throat> I was quite surprised. I'm not aware of any teams that actually, uh, you know, did, did, did that. Uh, it seemed like everybody was sort of sleeping in the field or in transition areas or, um, you know, just on the, on the roadside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, which, I, which surprised me because I, I thought, you know, that was one of the great things about the course is there was sort of four or five small towns where, timed right, um, teams could have actually booked into a, booked into a motel for the night and um, had a bed and a shower and, you know, things. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess they're all too serious. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing is, is that I would perceive that uh, when we've done it in a race, I've actually seen that to be an investment. Oh, I believe it. So, yeah, like, um, so we might only even, we might only still only stop for a two-hour sleep, but um, it's just going to be really high quality mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you can just come out feeling really refreshed. Um but yeah, yeah, just just different. Maybe the weather was good enough, and yeah. people weren't too worried. But um, yeah, it's interesting. So, um, are are you working with Warren on next year's God Zone? Uh, no, no. Um, I think um, I mean really that my involvement I think was uh, just, was really because I just just the local knowledge, yeah. you know, and um, and I don't actually know the area down. He's it's back in Queenstown, which is his his home his home turf. So, I mean, a lot, a lot of the benefits of things, you know, Warren would, you know, often say to me, or we'd we'd catch up and look at maps and things, and he'd say, oh, what about this, or what about going here? And I, I'd, I'd straight away I was able to say, look, you know, one night of rain and that creek will flood, teams will be stuck, or that landowner, don't go there. You know, they they won't give access. I've tried before. Um, you know, this is who you want to speak to about going up here. So, you know, it's just really utilizing, um, you know, I guess my experience and knowledge and things um, in this in this region. So, I mean, I'll be happy to help out with with God's own if it sort of worked out. But you know, it's down the other end of the country next year, and it's it's Warren Warren. Uh, I'm sure Warren actually had a has had a course in mind um, even well before he announced it as the location. So, I'm, I'm sure it'll be amazing amazing event down there. Yeah, it's an awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I. My, the joke among the those of us from America was there's got to be some place in New Zealand that sucks, but we sure haven't found it. <laughs> so. No, you can't. You can't really. I mean, maybe if you had a, a expedition race just around Auckland City, it would probably be pretty bad. But it, actually, even that that said, yeah. actually, still some pretty amazing places around there. But no, we're pretty spoiled, um, you know, for. For adventure opportunities here, for sure. Yeah. So, um, how much? How much harder? Well, I don't know which was harder: racing or running around taking care of all those racers during the race. Because in some oh, ways, I'm, racing I'm, is easier. All you got to do is race, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, I'd have to say that racing is was racing is harder, and, and that's because I didn't have. Um, that bigger role at God's Own, you know, once the course design was kind of set, uh, I had some logistical roles to do to help out with and a couple of safety roles, but mine, mine weren't that hard. Um, I think, you know, Warren as race director, that's a whole different, that's a whole different, uh, <laughs> that's a whole different ball game. So, um, yeah, I, you know, for me, no, I, was, I, I had a really enjoyable, enjoyable week, and um, and and yeah, the 
the race the races had it harder than I did for sure. So have you been uh, doing a lot of skiing? Yes. <laughs> I it it, it yes. I know this is so stupid to, because it's winter in New Zealand, but you're looking online and and I have a lot of friends now in New Zealand and I'm like seeing the snow just really it still freaks me out because it's like 95 degrees outside and you guys are skiing. Yeah. You'd think I'd be used to it, but yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. It's the same. My, um, you know, I got a lot of friends, you know, on Facebook and stuff, and in North America, you know, Mike Closer being one of them, and and uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be here in summertime, and and it's hot, and we're swimming, and Mike's posting photos of of skiing and uh, in Vale and Beaver Creek and things, which I, I always get really inspired by. But uh, yeah, I've got three young kids who are pretty mad skiers. Um, I must admit, I'm pretty keen myself, but um, but yeah, we, we pretty much just chase chase the snow, um, you know, right through the winter. So yeah, we've been skiing, we've been skiing a lot. It's been great. Yeah. Mm. Is there is there something that you haven't done yet that you really want to do? Um, yeah, that's a the, good question. The, the bucket list thing, but I mean, you've done a lot of stuff. That's, and, and I would tell anybody if you haven't read the book, read your book. It's uh, oh, yeah, 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 cool. Um, I guess there's nothing kind of burning, you know. Whereas, um, you know, if I if I kind of I don't know got struck by lightning and taken away, um, you know, tomorrow I I wouldn't have any regrets that you know there was something that I wanted to do that I that I kept putting off, um. There's there's certainly a lot of trips and experiences that I'd still like to have, uh, but really they're just kind of bonus things, you know. And, and a lot of it's um, stuff I want to do with my children, really. Yeah. Just uh, you know, places I want to take them and and skills that I'd like to teach them, and, and that's just stuff that that is that is happening, you know, right now. Really, it's it's uh, it's the life that we're living, um, and and so that that's pretty much it, really. Like there's a few, there's I guess there's a few key experiences we'd like to have with our children before. Before they basically grow up and and leave home, um, and a lot of them are well, they're actually all around travel and adventure. Um, I, I for many years I wanted to climb Mount Cook, um, New Zealand's highest mountain, but I'm not really a passionate mountaineer, so I've never sort of seriously sort of made it happen. You know, I've, um, uh, yeah, so there's, that, 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 that's maybe something that, that um, I probably need to kind of think about at some stage if, if that's that important to me. Or um, Yeah, for a long time I thought it would be quite cool. I mean, New Zealand's obviously my, my home, and I've done a lot of expeditions, you know, in New Zealand, um, you know, in rivers and mountains and, and uh, on the ocean and stuff here. But I just thought it would be quite a nice thing to be able to um, – Sort of stood at the highest point of of my homeland and, and had a bit of a look around. Yeah, that that, that would be really cool. So, um, yeah. So can I say something? <laughs> Since my yeah 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 absolutely. Um, go for it. <laughs> you seem like you're really happy, and, and, I, <laughs> and, and I'm not going to say I know you really well, but in in other times we've talked, you. You've seemed more serious. And and oh, do you think really? you're do you think you're just yeah. a little more loosey goosey now? I don't I don't know exactly uh, how to say it, but you just kinda of seem like yeah. you're a little lighter maybe. 
Yeah, mate. I mean, that's a good. That's a fair observation. I I don't feel um, any different, and I haven't certainly haven't consciously, um, you know, um, decided to make a change or anything. But maybe it's because in the past, you know, we've often seen each other at competitions, yes. and I, and I guess when I when I'm at a competition, I mean, for obvious reasons, you know, we're focused, and you know, we've got a job to do, and um, you know, a, a, you know, we need to so do need to to a certain degree engage and and be quite serious about um, about that task. And uh, and perhaps the other times we've really spoken has been post event yeah. when um, when your mind's kind of still still in that. But yeah. uh, I, I think I think as a generalisation, um, which may which may be sort of part of what you're saying or feeling or sensing is is that. Uh, yeah, certainly. As I as I move through my my career in sport, um, you know, the importance of of it is is probably diminishing um, in a good way. Yeah. You know, like I, I knew I sort of talked about that in my book. I, I'm pretty sure that you know years ago, you, you know, winning winning big races was was um, hugely hugely important to me, and, uh, and and I guess a lot of that was about about being. Um, you know, recognised as a as a good good adventure racer, but uh, you know these days I, I I don't know you know we the, the the focus has changed a bit and and for me now the the travel the travel's interesting the racing's you know the racing's fun I I kind of enjoy enjoy um you know sort of hanging out with with the teammates and things and and uh, you know if we race well and and we don't win you know I just don't the world doesn't sort of crumb some come crumbling down like it probably used to um you know it's just i don't know maturity wisdom age i don't know yeah well you uh, know how long how long did it how long does it take men not to be 13 year old boys right we don't know yet <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't know 30 years yeah that sounds about right i think so yeah <laughs> but uh so yeah yeah but no no i i, I can't i mean life's real good eh? like um yeah, I certainly, I certainly got no, nothing to be uh, not happy about if, if that, uh, in my my view of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. One last question: what's your what's your mm. what's your training like right now? Pretty minimal. Okay. Um, <laughs> you, no, what you're supposed uh, to say is like twenty hours a day, every day, full out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. I, um. I mean, I always keep active, so. Yeah. I think I'm probably at risk of being a little bit complacent um, when it comes to training for races. I, I mean, I'm I'm super motivated to train. I don't, you know, to me, training is a real gift, mm -hmm. the, the opportunity to go out and, and do it. But uh, I, I've just got to be realistic these days with, you know, what else is going on in life. You know, just with with family and business and home and and uh, you know, just 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 other things really. So I, I can't. Um, I just simply can't put the time into training that I used to. But that said, you know, like our the goal for me really is to perform, you know, well for myself and the team in Australia. And as much as I'd like to to win these next couple of races in Europe, um, you know, they are stepping stones to the to the to the big 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 picture. And um, and, and I don't know, I'm not sure how closely you followed our team, but we often don't win yeah. <laughs> the qualifying races that we go to. You know, we, we, we often try different things or we're not quite fired up or we don't really care. But, um, you know, when push comes to shove, but certainly at World Champs, you know, we, we're much more engaged. And, I, and I, 
I think for us, we're probably all at a level now. Well, certainly the guys on the team, you know, Chris, Joe and I, that we probably do need that uh, that major event to actually get us on our A game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so when I think about training, I'm actually thinking that I need to be fit come November, not not now. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm active. To answer your question, I'm doing about one or two hours a day, but um, but I'm always active. I've been splitting firewood all morning, and um, you know, so I, I keep fit. But I'll certainly certainly come November, um, you know, I expect to be in, in in pretty good condition. Okay, you know you know how I always lie about one last question, but one last question. <laughs> um, does the Seagate C- Mystique give you guys a advantage? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I would, I would think so. I mean, I, I, I felt, yeah. I felt this disturbance in a force when, when I heard that you were racing again. So I'm sure everybody else did too. Yeah, I think. I mean. I don't know. I mean, I, you are the team to beat. Well, we we've got results, yes. and and I I've been around sport my whole life, and I know that you have to respect athletes and teams that have got a track record. And um, you know, like if you actually look back over the world champs since we've sort of made a return in, in a Tasmania in two thousand eleven. We've led most of the world champs. Um, you know, like we've never. Obviously, we we had a bit of a blowout in Tasmania and didn't race that well. You know, we we got the result we deserved, which was third. But we kind of recovered from that. You know, we won France, Costa Rica. We were leading, but had those problems. And again, you know, that's that we got the result we 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 deserved but it, it kind of got, was a bit of a wake up call and we've bounced back and we've won the last two world champs so for anyone who's racing against us you know they we are we're a difficult team to race against and um and I think and, and that just can't be denied and I don't know don't know what else we can really I mean that's just the reality I guess yeah. of that situation and, uh, and, and I've been there before, you know, like for many years, uh, you know, Mike Closer and Ian Adamson and those guys, the Nike ACG team, they were, they were constantly in the lead. They, could, they were so fast, they could recover from mistakes. Um, they were a very, very difficult team um, to race against and a very difficult team to beat. And, and, um, but, we, you know, we just chipped away at them. We just kept improving and raising our game and, and doing what we needed. And eventually we, we sort of we moved up to them and started, started competing um, you know, competing with them, and um, it just it just took some time. I, I think, um, you know, what I hope will actually, well, I mean, you know, the, the teams are getting better. Yeah. Um, we, we're noticing it. We're feeling, um, you know, teams are gaining confidence. Um, like, like I said before, you know, we, we don't always win the qualifying races that we go to. I mean, there's teams that know they can beat us. They've beaten us before, and, and things and and uh, I, I think it's great and, and I really encourage those teams to to keep striving for um, you know for their dreams and and for winning those big races. Uh, you know, well, obviously we you know we, we're there to try and to try and win as well. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, if it's good racing, uh, you know we're we're pretty happy. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know. I think I think our team is probably a bit more vulnerable now. Like I think, you know, I'd probably be 
fairly might come across a bit arrogant, but I think going into the worlds with the four that we've had in Ecuador and Brazil, you know, Sophie, Chris, Joe, and I, I think going to Australia, I think we'd be pretty much unbeatable. But I think, um, you know, losing Sophie, I mean, Sophie, I think is probably, in my view anyway, and, and, well, it doesn't have to be my view. She's the only woman that's won three world titles. Um, You know, I I think with her gone, uh, that leaves a really big gap in our team, and there's no way Isla can can fill that gap and we don't expect it to, you know, that would be completely unfair and unreasonable. So, you know, it's up to Chris, Joe and I, to all of us to step up um, to help fill that gap and cover that gap that Sophie leaves. And, uh, and and that's the challenge, you know, that's the challenge for us. But I think it makes us vulnerable. I think, you know, I say to those other teams, bring it on, you know, have a crack. Let's go for it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. So on the note that Seagate, is going to the world championships as the underdog. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> we got no chance of winning. No, not, chance. not yeah. a clue. Not yeah. You'll be you'll be lucky to clear the course. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah. I, I, navigation's going to be a real challenge for us. I think. Yeah. And, um, maybe paddling, paddling. Yeah, maybe if you can uh, get them, let them use let you guys use a GPS, you might be able to keep up, right? Yeah. Well. I mean, Craig might allow that. Um, yeah, you know, just give you know, Australia and New Zealand have got a pretty pretty close relationship. I think. Yeah, um, yeah I might ask him ask him about that. Sounds good. So, so. yeah, yeah. And anyway, how are you doing? How are you going? Pretty good. Um, yeah, going to Canada in about three weeks for Raid Gaspasie. So. Oh yeah. And I'm waiting yeah. to hear. Um, Looks pretty good. Like I'm going to Portugal next month too for the Norcha new race there. Oh yeah, I did hear. Yeah, the guy's been. Um, yeah, the organizer was talking to me about it quite a bit. I was, I was. Uh, yeah, I think it's about the same time as our spring challenge, so I had to get back to New Zealand yeah. for that. But yeah, hope, hopefully that goes well. Yeah, I think so. You know, I'm, mm. I'm. You know, it's one of those things they're dealing with the government to bring me over. So who knows when I'll hear, but. Um, you know, a couple of American teams, so that you know, that'd be kind of nice. So, um, oh yeah, nice, yeah. nice. So yeah, it's yep. been. I've had a busy summer. Cowboy Tough was great. That was a fun race to be at. So, oh, um, cool, nice one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. That sounds cool. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, I'm yep. gonna let you go chop more wood. I actually, yeah, I, will. I actually did that yesterday too. I had a couple of trees come down, so. See, I have something in common with Nathan. We both chopped wood this week. We're both we're both lumberjacks. There we go. So Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else, go fast, take chances, be careful, have fun, and and uh thanks for listening. Thanks, Nathan. Go on. Cheers, Randy. Okay. See you later. All right, bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.